Hey, Armin here. Welcome to the NSP Nutrition Show. We cover training, nutrition, supplementation strategies, and a whole lot more. So stand by. Welcome to the NSP Nutrition Show. I'm Armin Eckelbarger. Hey, I'm Frank Mills. Thanks for watching or listening to the show today. We appreciate it very much. We're here in the NSP gym and, uh, you know, we're looking forward to another great show. I think uh, our Armin and I will be talking about understanding the importance of good gut microbiome. And it's pretty important if you're not doing that. So you should tune in for that. And then also we've got quite a few fan questions this afternoon as well. So uh, we're going to get right to it. Armin, understanding the importance of gut microbiome and making sure it's good, that's for sure. Uh, it's a pretty interesting topic. What made you think to talk about this? This is, What made you think to talk about this this week? Well, you know, this... This is something I've been kind of dealing with myself is understanding it better because of the what I've learned from it and the benefits I've gotten from it. Right. And right. most people they don't really uh, talk about it much or you know, understand the importance of maintaining you know a healthy gut microbiome because they don't really think about it. And you know if you want to prevent yourself from getting sick and get better results from your nutrition as far as how they absorb and your training. This is pretty important. So, and I had to kind of learn that myself too. So that's why I thought, well, let's talk about that and at least at least enlighten some people about the, the, what they need to be aware of. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So maybe we should start on what does a gut microbiome do so everybody knows? Yeah, good point. All right. Well, so you have a lot of bacteria that live in your gut. Um, uh, then you're then the cells of your body. I mean, it's amazing how much you have. So the microbiome refers to the group of microbes. Um, and then there's up to hundred, like, like a thousand different bacterial species that live in your body. So you know, this is something that your body is dealing with day to day all the mm -hmm. time. So maintenance of it is good uh, for structural integrity of the gut barrier. So you you know it allows everything to come through the gut the right way and be utilized the right way. And so, you know, the bacteria on flora is another part of it. Mm -hmm. It helps with digestion. So you're gonna get better digestion when you have a good gut microbiome. It's gonna destroy the bad bacteria that can cause you to get sick and other pathogens. Mm -hmm. uh, it, you know, it helps get rid of that pretty quickly. And then it, it helps control the immune system. So you can mm -hmm. make your immune system be at a higher level. And this is important with this day and age with all the different bugs that are floating around and you, know, you got COVID and all these other things that come around, right. the better your gut microbiome, uh, the hardier your gut's going to be and the more resilient it's going to be to help protect you, but also get you better performance from your training too. Hmm. Armin, how, how exactly is it structured? <clears throat> okay. So in the, your gut microbiome, you have a, a set family amount of genes mm -hmm. and then which is how it starts and then you have your environment that you're in okay and then medication use can really affect it hmm. and then you know depending on how you eat that's a large 
issue. Okay, if you're not eating bad, it's if you're not eating good, it's going to cause you issues, and all this determines you know the micro the microbiota that's in the colon. So if you're in a good environment and you're eating well and your your body's doing things the way it needs to do, you're going to be a very hardy individual and very resilient. So all these factors create the, the uh, a unique microbiome from person to person. Again, it depends on genetics, your environment, and those kind of things. So that's another thing to take into account. Now, they do feel like a high-fiber diet affects the type and amount of the microbiota, microbiota that's in the intestines. So mm-hmm. they, they're a big proponent of you know getting fiber. Uh, so increasing dietary fiber consumption you know, can help alter some of the nutritional niches in, in the intestines. And then, which allows these bacteria to expand their populations in a positive way. So that's more of a really technical <laughs> description of it. Uh, so we'll kind of move forward from there. But mm-hmm. you know, that's that's what they're saying about it. Interesting. So, so just a regular person, how does actually someone know that their gut microbiome is healthy? Yeah, that's another good question. So the symptoms you kind of want to be aware of and pay attention to is, you know, are are you having regular and pain-free bowel movement? So if you have a good solid bowel movement, you know, uh, that's that's a good thing. So you don't have discoloration, it's staying full and firm, you know, those kind of things. Not getting too too into that. Uh, and then consistent energy, because if you get okay. consistent energy, that means your body's breaking down everything. You're eating really well. Uh, you have a normal amounts of gas and bloating that can come with your nutrition. So you're, it's not the bloating and gas you get is not all the time and being chronic. So if you have mm-hmm. chronic gas and bloating, then you have some things you're doing with your nutrition. It's really affecting the gut microbiome. Uh, and then healthy bowel movement transit time. In other words, you know, you're not sitting on the toilet for you know extended period of time because the body can't seem to push things through. Mm-hmm. All right. And then if you're, mental clarity is not as good then that's also a factor that you need to keep in mind and then just having a uh, a healthy reaction to the foods and stress that you're eating in other words you feel good you feel good consistently you got good energy you go in the bathroom it's not a big deal and you're you're doing mm-hmm. things on a regular basis that's that means that you're fine okay interesting um you know i guess the other thing that i was thinking of too is you better stay hydrated and drink a good amount of water because that's a part of it too, I guess, uh, to stay hydrated. I mean, I think your body needs that, right. To be able to process. Yeah, we always want to be hydrated. I mean, mm. you know, the, the body's 70% water. So that's, that's just, and the, but that's also to get the electrolytes. Mm-hmm. So the gut's a little bit different. I mean, obviously if you're dehydrated, that's going to affect the gut and cause stress to it. So mm-hmm. that would be the, the thing to be aware of there. I know there's some people out there, they just don't like drinking water, uh, you know, and, and now there's a lot of yeah. things to combat that. They, you know, the flavorings and things like that. But, uh, you know, not to get off topic, I was just kind of curious about that. So, yeah. all right. All right. So what are some of the things that someone can do to improve their gut microbiome? All right. Well, it shouldn't be any surprise. I mean, you want to avoid too much sugar or basically sugar in general. And then obviously processed foods you know it's like it's the kind of like duh you know right right it's pretty obvious all right eat naturally fermented foods 
um, you know, that helps the gut. And, you know, yeah, like mm. sauerkraut, pickles and Greek yogurt, kombucha, which is a drink, uh, kefir, kimchi, cheese, uh, you know, cider. These fermented foods help. They, they, they have bacteria that are alive. That's why they're, you know, that's why they're helpful. So they get in the system mm. and they can help keep growing the good bacteria. Um, another one, you know, is supplement with the probiotic, which, you know, I'm a big fan of. And NSP Nutrition does have a good probiotic. I take it daily. And you can take breaks from a probiotic. You just have to take it all the time. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I don't necessarily take it daily every single day. But, I, you know, that's kind of the target. Because I just feel good when I'm, when I'm real consistent with it. Uh, if you're somebody that takes antacids because you have a lot of acid or, or gas, you need to make some changes. Because that's not healthy at all. You need to get rid of any antacids that you're taking. And then... There's a lot of uh, opinions about the artificial sweeteners affecting it. And there's going to be always debate back and forth on that. Mm-hmm. So the way I kind of deal with that is, you know, if it's an artificial sweetener that has like a bad rep and, you know, I've looked at it and I kind of agree, then there's no need to take it. So, you know, aspartame is one that gets, you know, thrown under the bus and then saccharin and, and there's a few others. So the good artificial sweeteners, as far as I'm concerned, and you can look these up yourself, would be allulose, which I think is one of the, one of the better ones, mm-hmm. and then stevia. You know, stevia, is, and these are these both come from natural plant extracts. So that's why I like them, and they don't tend to bring up insulin. So that's the big advantage of that. All right, and then, you know, eating plenty of fiber. So, you know, people are like, well, what's fiber? Well, you can do Metamucil, obviously, but that's really, you know, is that necessary? <laughs> no, if you just eat vegetables... Vegetables all contain fiber, and especially the fibrous vegetables is what they're called, like broccoli, cauliflower, celery, you know, carrots, and, you know, on down the line, there's, and you can look up the list of them, but those mm-hmm. are good for you. So that fiber right. helps absorb stuff and help push it through your system and help clean, clean the system. Mm-hmm. So that's the beauty of that. And obviously you need to eat a diverse diet to get the different nutrients from the different sources of food. So you have a good gut microbiome that's being replenished with a good variety of diet. And then the last one is organic foods can be a very good uh, uh, thing to be doing because again, you don't have pesticides and all these other things, you know, antibiotics and other things getting into your system. Because obviously you're taking a probiotic, the DNA has an antibiotic, that's gonna kill your gut microbiome, it's gonna kill the good bacteria. Mm-hmm. So using common sense on that. So, yeah, I mean, these things, um, this is how you can definitely improve it by just having good real food, which, you know, a kind of a no brainer and then having mm-hmm. some fiber again, no brainer. And then just take all the, the man-made stuff out of your diet. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. Right. Well, you know, for a lot of us out there, I mean, I'm, uh, a sucker for sauerkraut and pickles. So that's, that's a good thing for me, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So that's awesome. Now I know that you mentioned, uh, as far as, you know, sugar and processed food primarily, but what are some other things that can be harmful for your gut microbiome? Okay. Well, we talked about diet, so that's kind of an obvious one. And, but then the lifestyle factors. Okay. So poor sleep is not good. You, you need time for your gut to do its processes as well. All right. Alcohol consumption, you know, too much of that is not going to help. All right. And then, you know, inactivity 
is not helpful because you don't have blood circulating the way you need to. And then, um, I mean, the whole combination of it can, can make it a lot worse. Right. So anytime you're going to have alcohol, you want to try to be selective about it. You want to make sure you get as much sleep as you can. And you know, that, that's all been shown to improve your immune system, pure and simple. Got Being you. inactive doesn't help you on anything. It doesn't help you bring calories or anything. So that's not helpful. Taking antibiotics. You know, when you take antibiotics, what you need to do is after you get done with the antibiotics that were prescribed is make sure immediately you get back on probiotics to replenish probiotics or, you know, you know fermented foods. You need to replenish that bacteria that was killed because when you take an antibiotic, it kills good bacteria and mm -hmm. bad bacteria. So, I mean, ideally, you would just, it's not selective in how it does it. It starts wiping out everything in there. So you want to, you know, be cautious when you take antibiotics to make sure you're replenishing it. Uh, aging doesn't help any. You know, our body, you know, doesn't produce, you know, over time, the gut bacteria tends to decline because of how your body re replenishes itself. So that's not helpful. And plus your digestive enzymes tend to be a lot less as we age. So if you're getting older, then you need to pay attention to it. Uh, and then alternatively, living a healthy lifestyle, I mean, characterized by regular physical activity, low stress and a variety of whole foods is, is the best way to ensure you have a good gut microbiome and a healthy gut flora that when things come in, it processes it, takes the nutrients it needs and kicks it right back out. So that's, that's the end game as far as that goes. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, I guess, you know, the one thing I was thinking about is what if it's someone who does have a bad uh, type of a gut microbiome right now, you know, if they start to work on improving it, how long would it take to improve it and kind of change things around for them? Okay. So again, what you're eating is really important because that's going to impact the microbes in the, in the digestive system. Mm -hmm. Okay. But some of the, some of the research has, has stated that if you make these changes uh, pretty quickly, the body adapts to it and likes it, and so it takes advantage of it. So you know, it can it can re replenish your gut microbiome in simple as three days in some cases, mm -hmm. depending on how much damage was done. So it can be quicker or slower uh, depending on how you're attacking the situation. So. That's the good news. So it's not something that what we're saying here is pay attention to it. And if right. it becomes a problem, it's pretty easy to fix. So get it mm -hmm. fixed. I mean, again, colon cancer and all these other things that, are, that the people are dealing with, you know, was that was that something that could have helped prevent that? Don't know. But anytime that you got a good gut, the, the gut's working at a high level, you're clearing out all the pollution, the pollutants that's in it and any, anything left over and then you're getting the nutrients from it. That's a win-win and that's what it should be. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, it sounds like good food, uh, yeah. good quality yeah. food, right? A, a really good diet yeah. and prebiotics and probiotics are all very, very good. So we've kind of established that. Uh, I am kind of curious, you know, we've talked a lot about on this show about fasting do you think oh, yeah. that, uh, yeah. you know, bringing fasting into the picture, you know, is that another key component? Well, that's, that's a good question. And actually it is. Uh, what some of the research is showing is that when you do some, do fasting, it helps the, uh, it helps the gut microbiome to 
uh, reestablish and it has a good, a good effect to it. Mm-hmm. So, um, it's not detrimental like you, like people may think. So what they've seen is when people do fasting, it helps improve that metabolic process and decrease inflammation in the gut just because it, here's the thing. When you keep eating food all day long, you got a lot of stress on your gut to process that food. That's why I'm not a big fan of having four or five, six meals, you know, a day, uh, mm-hmm. full meals. I just, you know, and, and or the snacking, you're putting a lot of stress on the, on the digestive system. Right. So when you right. do a fast, you're letting the digestive system recover. And so when they started checking on that, they're like, wow, this is actually beneficial. So not eating food can also be helpful. <laughs> Interesting. Interesting. Well, Armin, we're running out of time. Any final thoughts as we wrap this up? Yeah. I mean, if you find that you're getting sick more often or, or more than you, than you feel like you should, you know, getting sick period, just that's not good. And I don't care if it's one time a year. I don't like it. Um, it that's a good time to reevaluate your gut microbiome at that point. I mean, that mm-hmm. means you've got something going on where the, the pathogens are getting into the system. They're not being able to fight it very well. And now you're, you're out for the count until you recover from the bug. Uh, so, you know, I've, I'm just saying this based on my personal uh, experience because I had I was getting sick a lot in my mm-hmm. younger years, like my 40s, in your late 30s and early 40s. It's like you know it was just chronic. I was getting sinus mm-hmm. infections and other things, and I'm like, I this is not sustainable. Plus, I was taking antibiotics to help clear up the sinus infections, and then every time you know I had to go in again, it was like every six to eight weeks I need to get pro you know antibiotics again. Right. The, the, the doctors like you can't keep doing this. This is not sustainable. You're going to become more and more resistant to this. So you you need to figure out a better way of what you're doing. And so and I had to figure it out. They they weren't a lot of help other than you need to change what you're doing. Right. And so I'm like, ah, okay. So then I started studying, you know, what to do. And the thing is, when you get sick, you can't work. So you're stressed from that. Then you, your training is going to go right down to burper because – you know, you can't train when you're sick. And it, it, there's nothing. If you train when you're sick, you're just asking for it because you, don't, right. you need to let your immune system boost back up. And you're not going to get the benefits of it anyways if you keep staying sick. So uh, this is actually one of the hardest things to deal with weight training is you're making really good gains. And all of a sudden, bam, you're sick. Now you're out for three days, five days, who knows, until you get recovered. But then you have this like psychological point of, okay, I got to start all over again. Mm-hmm. Now you get really sore. I'm going to be weaker. It, it's a psychological drain. I had to deal with that too. So mm-hmm. that's another thing that, you know, and if you're not getting sick at all, this conversation may not, it may be a waste of your time. Okay. Right. But right. if you start getting sick, then I think you need to, to hear what we had to say on this and dig a little deeper because this, this can solve a lot of your issues. And if your training's not going well, you're not making good gains. This could be another factor. Maybe you're not absorbing your nutrients as well as you think you are. But anyways, Absolutely. I, that's my thoughts on it uh, and my personal experience with it. So I'm a big fan of, you know, doing what you can to optimize your gut and how it works because of, of the benefits I've seen. Because mm-hmm. I've been lucky. I don't get sick very often like I used to. Right. So maybe right. once a year. And I've had I've had a couple. I had a string of about three years where I didn't get sick. That's phenomenal when you're trying to make gains. Mm-hmm. Interesting. All right. Well, Armin, thanks for all the great information. Uh, Stand by for a quick word from NSP Nutrition. Armin and I will be right back. NSP Nutrition was founded by Vince Gironda during bodybuilding's golden era. 
Vince wanted to supply his members with unique and nationally sourced supplements that would help accelerate their progress. NSP Nutrition stocks some of the same products it did when it first began in 1972. And you can discover our entire range of supplements and products at nspnutrition.com. Just use the code NSP Show at the checkout and save 10% on your first order. Hey, and welcome back to the NSP Nutrition Show. I'm Armin Echelbarger. Hey, I'm Frank Mills. Thanks again for joining us. Uh, before we get into fan questions, I know we were just talking about the gut microbiome and uh, something that we didn't bring up at the end of the segment. And I totally you know, was thinking about it during the break was Probiotic 40 by NSP Nutrition. Um, I have been taking it personally for well over a year now. And I can tell you, it's a fabulous product. Uh, you know, Armin, you told me about it. I tried it, and man, uh, it's something I don't run out of. It's an awesome product. Yeah. Well, I've been on it for years as well. I mean, I'm a, I'm a big believer in it myself just because of how it's helped my system. Absolutely. So if you want to check it out, it's Probiotic 40 on nspnutrition.com. Uh, an amazing product. And uh, I can highly recommend it. You should check it out. All right. So let's get into some fan questions. All right. So, Armin, we've got the first one up. Uh, one of our listeners uh, didn't give a name. Don't know why, but we appreciate the question anyway. Um, was asking about the show that we did where we were talking about the whey protein and plant-based proteins. And then we talked about the milk and egg protein from NSP. Their mm-hmm. question is, why are there so many whey and why are there so many of the whey proteins and the plant-based proteins, but nothing else? It just seems like it's very rare that you find any other protein shake mixes that are anything but those. Why is that? That was the question. Well, it's a good question. And it's, it's actually a fact. I mean, you're not going to see milk and egg protein or even egg protein. You got to really go look for it. Uh, mm-hmm. The simple reason is it's it's very inexpensive to make uh, whey protein and plant proteins. I mean, gotcha. it is. There, there's 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 not that much involved with it. So, you know, it's inexpensive. It's easy to flavor, and you know they have shown to work. So, not a debate on that. Uh, so, when it comes to milk and egg protein, I liked it because I've done a lot of whey proteins, and it just it made me feel better. So it was a personal mm-hmm. thing for me because some of these whey proteins, they can irritate your stomach uh, and they clear out kind of quickly. So you're actually hungry within an hour after taking the whey protein versus the milk and egg. You know, you have the egg protein part, but then you have the casein from the milk, which is a slower burning protein. And the, the biggest problem for most of these other manufacturers is they don't know how to make it. I mean, it's, it's not easy making a milk and egg protein powder. You, you've mm-hmm. got to have some technology for that. And so, and that was one of the things that, you know, Vince was able to, to get when he created created the product. Uh, and there's debate he got that from another guy um, as well, because he was really good at creating protein powders. We won't get into that. But um, my opinion is it, you got to understand how to uh, prepare the, the powder so it absorbs properly because you know, the milk and egg protein that, that we provide is, is sweetened with stevia. So there's not a, you know, not a lot of, there's, there's not, it's all natural. 
Mm-hmm. So some of the sweeteners they use in these uh, whey proteins, it, it can vary. It can be maltodextrin, a big a big amount of that. That's why the, the carbs can vary, uh, things like that too. So that's that's my thoughts on it. Plant proteins, you know, you can use any kind of plant and call it a protein, you know, extract it. I'm just mm-hmm. not a big fan of plant proteins. You know? Personally, I'm not, I don't see NSP ever selling plant proteins and I'm not a big fan of them because they just don't absorb from my own personal experience. So. Yeah, I'm sure vegetarians out there are probably cringing and saying, "I, you know, I don't know know what I'm talking about." And that's fine. Right. But you know, I've done plant proteins, so okay, and I can tell you how I felt with that. So. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, well, we appreciate the question, and hopefully that answered it. Uh, okay, so the next question is from Serge, and Serge or Sergio, maybe Serge. Okay, uh, in Italy. Mm-hmm. And that's all I have. Um, was asking specifically about recovery. Uh, we had mm-hmm. mentioned on a, a previous episode talking about proper recovery, and he yeah. was curious as uh, the amount of time that needs to pass to recover. Uh, and he brought up an example. I guess he's an NFL fan, and they were telling the story of a guy that would work out in the morning and then go to football practice and then work out again in the evening. And he did that to get in shape. And I guess the first thing I thought of from shows you and I have done is like, he doesn't need to do that. He's doing too much. He's not recovering enough. And I guess the Sergio had the same thought process. So Armin, if you're going to work out a muscle group or if you're going to work out in general, what is the proper recovery time before you should work that muscle or that group again? All right. So that does bring up an interesting point. Uh, Vince was, you know, and I've done it before. Vince was okay with working out twice a day. Hmm. Okay. So, but again, Vince's strategy was short periods of training. So I don't know how long this football player was doing his training with these different all three workouts. You know, right, right. But Vince was okay with doing, you know, an early morning workout. So he would do chest and then in the evening, come back and do back. I mean, whatever the preference was, he was okay with that. So again, as long as you got recovery, so you, you could perform on your next workout just as well. So the body does have good recovery. So at the end of the day, you're just splitting out the stress you're putting on the body, uh, and, but allowing some time in between to reload the muscles and liver with some nutrition and go at it again. Now, with that being said, I've done the, t- the two workouts a day and over a period of time, you're going to get overtrained because that, that's what happened with me. I mean, I was totally exhausted. I was walking around exhausted uh, trying to work. So <laughs> mm-hmm. that's the side effect. So can you do that? Yeah, you could do it. Is that going to make you better? Uh, there's a point of diminishing returns with everything you're doing. So if you do two workouts a day, even with Arnold, who was known for that, and some of these other athletes, they only did that for a short period of time. That wasn't something they did for year after year after year. Mm-hmm. Um, now, it doesn't mean you couldn't do that and you couldn't build up to it, but I'm just not going to, you know, if you're all natural, I don't see that being a big win. Um, so I, I wouldn't recommend it. Uh, this football player, if you got good results, well, I, you know, I don't know where he started from and ended up right. where he finished from, too. But that's a lot of wear and tear on the joints, especially if you're playing football. 
Absolutely. uh, I wouldn't recommend that for a long-term period. I think you could do it for a short-term period just to ramp up, but I would definitely wouldn't recommend that long-term. That's just my thoughts on it. Right. So recovery is important. You got to be able to read your body. You got to refuel. You need to get that sleep and keep your hormones optimized. So that's the, that's the thing to keep in mind. All right, Serge. Well, hopefully that helps uh, and answers your question. And last but not least, uh, got a question from Michael. Michael currently lives um, in Houston, Texas, and he is relocating to Montana. And he said, where where I'm going, they're not going to have the fitness centers that I'm used to. So I know I'm going to have to invest in some equipment. And he said, you know, Armin, it looks like you've worked out for a long time and worked out on a lot of different equipment. Can yeah. you recommend equipment brands that I can look for or uh, try to determine what I can use for a complete home workout? Uh, he's used to going to the gym. So, well, that's a loaded question. I, I mean, Armin, do you have any advice? Well, you know, here's the thing. If you're going to create your own home gym, you got to look at how much space you have. So then you got to analyze how much equipment can you put in that space and still be able to move around? Right. I like using all kinds of stuff. Uh, so your first step would be <clears throat> deciding what your dumbbells are going to be. Cause you're probably going to want to use dumbbells. So they have the kind now where you can, they, they click and lock. Then uh, there's different brands that are available. You have to kind of shop them out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Nollis has, has a brand as well. Um, but that would be one thing because, you know, getting, Dumbbells from, you know, five pounds all the way to a hundred pounds, you know, that's going to cost you an arm and a leg. I can already tell you that right now, especially mm-hmm. with today's prices since some, um, you know, COVID, everything got jacked up because everybody was actually buying home equipment again and actually using it. So I would do the dumbbells that are selectorized where you kind of pick how much weight you want to use. You, you little press a little button and it drops off the plates or add plates, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you, you have to kind of shop that out. Uh, Hammer makes a really good utility bench. I mean, I think theirs is the best because um, I've used a lot of them. It's very stable. There's no wobbliness. So that's nothing. And when you're buying home equipment, if you're buying it new and it gets shipped in, you know, there's a lot of moving parts to that. So I prefer to go look at the stuff personally and try it out before I commit. So you can also find on eBay and Craigslist and the other resources, uh, actual commercial gym equipment that's for sale. And again, you want to be familiar with it and do some homework on it, but that can, that can be a good, um, a good, good, good Avenue. Now Mm -hmm. the problem when you buy gym equipment is the shipping cost. It's a, it's an eye opener to say the least, depending on if the person's going to pay for the shipping to ship it to you, or you got to pay the shipping. So I don't have any, you know, simple, easy, uh, Things that way, just do buy this and you'll have, you know, you'll solve all your problems. Mm-hmm. It's got to be based on the square footage that you have. Now, some of these, you can call different fitness equipment brokers, mm-hmm. which you can look up, you know, different ways, but they can, if you tell them how much square foot you have, they can kind of give you an idea how much equipment that you could put in there and they can shop out different brands and you just got to do your own homework on these different brands. And mm-hmm. I don't have any to come off the top of my mind that it's, oh yeah, this brand is rock solid, but I would say anything that's knowledge brand, 
Hammer or Life Fitness brand, uh, those are pretty solid, consistent. If you can find those, you're going to be in good shape. And then the they have these other machines that have dual weight stacks and have a, a Smith machine bar in the middle of it. And, you know, it, it's, it's called a total gym. And so you put a bench under there and you can do all these different things. That's probably a good solution because you can get a lot of stuff you know, in one little area. So I would probably look at that. Um, but you want to try these things out before you buy them. That's just, that's how I would approach it. Cause you want to, you want to ask questions if somebody's going to show you about it. Um, just buying it and having it shipped in, assume it's all going to be great. Uh, I think you're taking the risk for what you're investing in it. Cause once you put this stuff in, it's heavy. It's a lot of work. Anyways, I'll go to a gym if I, if I could swing it. <laughs> and it's definitely got to be something that you're going to have inside and not outside because Montana, uh, you're talking about heavy snow. <laughs> so, yikes. Well, anything, yeah. anything you're doing, yeah. you can't have it. Even if you're in Texas, the heat, the, 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 the things rust up so yeah. fast. Yeah. Your head spin. So, been, been there, done that as well. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Michael, hopefully that helps. Uh, and again, we appreciate you, you know, actually joining us for the show today. Uh, hey, we need your help for more content for the fan question segment. And, you know, the whole idea is it's pretty easy to do. Just scan the QR code above our head and you can submit your information that way. You can also comment on YouTube or you can email us at support at nspnutrition.com. And, you know, more importantly, if you like the show, share it with a friend or a family member yeah, because please. that's that's why we're doing this. Right, Armin? Yeah, I mean, sure. If you think we're giving you good value, let other people know. Don't make it. Don't let us be a secret. You know, we're here to help. We'll get better questions or more questions. I mean, whatever we can do to help you. It's, it's We want it to be a win-win. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. And uh, if if you have any topics you'd like us to cover, please go ahead and get that information to us as well. But we appreciate you joining us today and join Armin and I next week for a brand new episode of the NSP Nutrition Show.